Hi everyone, I'm Brittany. And I'm Tiffany. And we are the Terror Girls. Welcome back to Season 3, Episode 3. We are just us today. Brittany and Tiffany, we're going to do one of those episodes where we talk about stuff. <laughs> yeah, one, one of those episodes, as opposed to the ones where we don't talk about stuff. No, no, most of the time we have a guest, and now we don't have a guest, and we're just going to dive really deep into a topic that was, um, I think, requested by the, the fans via Instagram. Yeah, if it wasn't, it was requested by me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. So we've never technically done this before. Mm-hmm. The, the season three opener, we just discussed kind of summer and what was going on, and we didn't have a guest. But, and, but we talked about how this season we wanted to kind of alternate between interviewing someone and then us talking about a topic. So mm-hmm. we'll see how this goes. You know, mm-hmm. we'll see how this goes. Yeah, give us your feedback. But be kind. Um, so <laughs> on this episode... We are going to talk about the sport of running. Okay. As, as I feel like we need to clarify because it's like, oh, don't we always talk about running? Yeah. Like the sport we do of always talk about running. And we usually talk about um, recreational running. Right. Right. Absolutely. We talk about um, you and me running um, after school. We're not in school. I don't know why I no. say that. But we're like <laughs> on, in the evenings and running for fun and, and signing up for yeah, races. With our like 11 minute miles. Yeah, absolutely. Feeling good about it. <laughs> Just like strictly as a hobby. But there are a lot of people in the world and a lot of fans of these people in the world who run as a profession, that there is professional running in all of the distances from sprinting to ultra marathons. Um, And we're going to talk about the world of professional running. Yeah. Uh, It's definitely going to be a flyover because, first of all, we're not experts. No. Um, And we're going to start... We're going to start basic. So if yeah. you are not an expert and have no clue other than, you know, the couple snippets you see during every four years during the Olympics, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll hopefully shed a little light. But yeah. before we dive into that, we are going to uh, do something fun as almost like a little little warm up exercise. It's not our warm up questions, um, mm-hmm. but it's a it's a warm up exercise. Yeah. Of sorts. So we're going to do this with each other and challenge each other with a shoe fitting challenge or a shoe fitting scenario where today I'm going to give Tiffany um, a shoe fitting scenario and I am going to ask her what she would do as a shoe fit expert. So we get customers all day long that um, run the gamut of their needs for their feet. Mm -hmm. We get some people straight from the doctor. We get some people who have never been fit for shoes at all. Some people who are training for a marathon and others who will never run a step in their shoes. And so I'm going to give Tiff a shoe fitting scenario and she's going to talk us through what she would do with that customer, why, and um, how she would help them solve their problem. This shows how nerdy we are. <laughs> this is like, I never expected in my life to have like this random skill set of like being able to assess people's feet. Yeah. As a, like not, not like professionally, yes, as in like I work at a running store, but not professionally like I'm a podiatrist. Right. So right. just, you know. But it is like we have a lot of experience oh, in shoe yeah. fitting, years and years yep. and hundreds of thousands of feet that we have looked at. <gasps> and so. <laughs> Normally it's fine, but I have yeah. seen some things. Yeah. I have seen some things. People like to show us their feet <laughs> in all of their glory. So, um, okay, so for our first shoe fit scenario, Tiff. Okay. okay. All right. She doesn't, she hasn't heard this before. I'm, uh, she's hearing it for the first time. So, customer walks in the door. 
and they you greet them and they say, hi, I'm not a runner. Mm-hmm. I've mm-hmm. heard about your place um, and I'm desperate. I stand on my feet all day okay. at my job. Yep. Um, it's concrete floors. My feet are killing me. My okay. back has just started hurting and I like can't take it. Okay. I've bought a bunch of different shoes. None of them work. Um, by the end of the day, my feet ache, my legs are aching, and my toes really hurt. Mm. Um, help. Okay. There's a lot in that. <laughs> I would start off by saying, wow, thank you so much for coming. I'm excited that you're here. Um, here, take a seat. And I would want to know more. So you just told me you stand on your feet all day. Mm-hmm. Your back has just started hurting. Your legs are hurting. Your feet are hurting. And your toes are hurting. So I would ask you for just a little bit more information. When you say your feet are hurting, what do you mean? Do you mean kind of the bottom of your feet? Like, do you mean the balls of your feet? Like, what does that mean to you? So I'm asking you now as the fake customer. Okay. Like, what do you mean um, by that? All over. They just hurt all they just, over. They just hurt. Yeah. Um, and when you wake up in the morning, they're not hurting. No, by the end of the day, they hurt. Okay, so they're hurting at the end of the day. Um, your back is hurting. You mean kind of like your lower back? Yeah, it's just like tired and sore. Okay. Um, all right. So then what I would do is I would start by measuring this person's foot. You told me your toes are hurting. That's a key indicator that they might be wearing the wrong size. I would also ask you what shoe you're currently wearing to work. So what shoe is this customer wearing to work? Oh, um, like just, just you know. You know, a shoe they got at Becky's <laughs> that they heard was really good. Okay. But, you know, it's the shoe that the size I thought it should have been and my feet still hurt and my back still hurts. Okay, great. Um, not great. We're sad for this person. We're going to help them. Okay, so I would measure this person's foot. My guess is if their toes are hurting, they probably are in the wrong size shoe, maybe a little bit smaller, especially because your foot's going to swell by the end of the day. So let's just assume I measure this person's foot and it's too small. We see that all the time. Um, I'm also going to assume you're not wearing a super cushioned shoe since your foot's hurting all over and you also probably need a, more cushion, because you're standing all day probably on, on concrete, I think you said. And then maybe something with a, a better arch in it. I would need to see the person's actual foot to see, you know, just to see. Where they, do they have low arches? Do they have a high instep? Like, what's going on? Mm-hmm. But I would I would probably bring out, uh, I don't know, some kind of hoka to try. Mm-hmm. Give you something, something with some really good arch support and a lot of cushion. I would also bring out something maybe with a little bit lower drop, which a hoka would be as well. Sometimes when the back starts hurting, maybe you, I don't know, this shoe might be a little mm-hmm. putting you in a weird posture. Uh-huh. What's drop? Heel-toe drop is the difference in height between the heel and the forefoot. So if you say we're in a high heel, you would have an extremely high heel-toe drop. That heel is elevated way above the forefoot. Um, but each, every, most shoes we wear have some kind of, you know, couple, just a couple millimeters of height between the heel and the forefoot. Um, but sometimes that can mess up your posture, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the per, lower yeah, pressure yeah. on different parts of your If body. you were completely flat, like you're barefoot, I mean, you're technically should be aligned a little bit better. Mm-hmm. But again, each person's different. Mm-hmm. So hard to say without actually seeing this person, but I would aim for something with a lot of cushion. I'd maybe try them in something with a lower drop. Um, and then I'd want to make sure that their arch, the arch is right. Mm-hmm. So if it's, if they have a high arch, something really supportive, but if their arch is a little lower and there might be a little too much pressure, they might want something a little bit more natural. Mm-hmm. Um, give you three options and then kind of, well, we'd go from there. Mm-hmm. We'd go from there. Awesome. Thanks, yeah. Tiff. Well, what an you're expert. Welcome. You're welcome. What an expert. So we'll do this um, every time we uh, have just a Brittany and Tiffany show. 
uh, we'll do some shoe fit scenarios. Mm-hmm. So, uh, like I said, we see people with different feet, different problems, um, different issues all day, every day. And so yep. it's kind of fun for us to be able to share our thought process. You know, we don't just go in the back and pick three shoes that we think are pretty. <laughs> um, we, there's a lot of thought behind what shoes we pull for customers. So That's true. Uh, I want to share a little bit about that. Terror Girls is brought to you by the Cleveland Half Marathon and 5K, October 21st, 2023 in downtown Cleveland. Learn more and register at clevelandhalf.com. Awesome. All right, let's jump into it. Okay. The sport of running. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's start Let's start basic. What kind, we talked about how we're talking about professional running versus recreational running. Yep. So what kind of professional running mm-hmm. for our listeners are there? Yeah. So after college, the way to run professionally is for runners to get sponsored, mm-hmm. um, mostly by shoe brands. Mm-hmm. So shoe brands sponsor athletes or teams that they then support financially to continue to run in professional races mm-hmm. in the U.S., worldwide, um, and hopefully do well and support the that brand. Yep. Yeah, so you're going to have, you know, people that are – professional like track and field mm-hmm. runners you know people that are professional marathon runners mm-hmm. that would include also half marathon yeah the half marathon distance um you have professional ultra runners which mm-hmm. we'll talk about that as well um anything longer than a marathon um and you know it doesn't quite fit but it kind of does because running is a part of it but you also have professional triathletes like mm-hmm. iron people that compete in ironman races and then i don't know a lot about it but you know those adventure races i do mm-hmm. think you still have people that kind of that's a that's a whole nother world, but I do think you have some people that are yeah. sponsored by brands. Yeah. Um, so yeah, those are kind. Of, that's the kind of the overview, um, and then a lot of well, some of those things would end up being Olympic sports, but right. not all of them. Not all of them. Not yeah. Them. So uh, right now, all the track and field events and the marathon are Olympic mm-hmm. sports. Um, the women's marathon was only added to the Olympics in 1984. Oh, wow. So the men's marathon goes way further back, but the first women's Olympic marathon was in 1984, and it was won by an American. Joe Benoit Samuelson won the first women's Olympic Mm -hmm. marathon in L.A. What a legend. Yeah. So that was really cool. A legend. Okay, so that's kind of like an overview of different types of professional running, but let's get to some definitions. Mm -hmm. So I did not grow up running track and field Mm -hmm. cross country a lot of people do and have that you know they have that experience from middle school from high Mm -hmm. school they are a lot more aware of it I picked up running in college recreationally just doing a race with some friends and then obviously really liked it and have continued to do that but it does mean my track and field and cross country knowledge is very limited, like mm-hmm. more limited than I would care to admit. <laughs> and maybe some listeners are like me in that way. So I'm going to ask you, Brittany, yeah. for some definitions. So what is track and field? Yeah. I think that's one of those terms, you know, you just assume most people know. Yeah. So it's also one of those things you're like, you don't tell people if you're like, yeah, track and field. <laughs> so great. <laughs> Whatever, yeah. Um, and how is it different from cross country? Yes. So track and field is usually um, it's all the races on the track, all the running races. And then there are field events that are jumps, um, pole vault, um, multiple kinds of jumps, things like that. So they're uh-huh. uh, throwing events, so the hammer, the shot put, 
couple kind of throwing events. Those are field events, and then the track events are the running events. Mm -hmm. Cross country is a different sport, and that is a little bit more distance running. So in high school, they usually run uh, five kilometers, um, 3.1 miles, and it's all outside on the grass or on trails. It's like the OG trail running. Yeah, exactly. Mostly cross country is generally grass. Um, but it's there's no kind of field events that go with it. It is just running, all the same race, ready, set, go, and you all start at the same time. And it's generally a little bit of a longer distance as opposed to some of the track events. There are all distances of track events from sprinting to distance mm-hmm. on the track. Mm-hmm. And they're mostly meters, which is confusing mm-hmm. as yeah. an American stuck in the – what? What are, what's our system? The uh, – it's not the imperial. Is it the imperial system? Yeah, and then the metric system is okay. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. We're in the pure imperial. imperial. It sounds very British. <laughs> yeah, for, yeah, for America. But yeah, you know, I don't even know what it's called. That's how. Yeah. <laughs> that's how sad I am. Yards. Oh um, man. Yeah. So for track, there are sprint races, 100, 200, 400 meters, mm-hmm. which they start in the starting blocks. So they're down with their hands on the ground, yep. their feet in the starting blocks. They say, ready, set, go. And generally, in all those distances, they stay in their own lane. Mm. Um, The middle distance are 800 and the 1500 or mile. And generally, those um, have like a staggered start, and then they go into one lane. Mm -hmm. And then they have to pass each other in one lane. And then the longer distances are sometimes a 3K, a 5K, and up to a 10K. Mm -hmm. Um, And they start kind of like cross-country all together and then get in basically a single file line or close to it in a clump and all have to pass each other. Um, there are hurdle events in track and field. Mm. So it's the same, a similar distance, but you have hurdles, ten, usually 10 hurdles for that distance. So there's 100 meter hurdles and 400 for women and 110 hurdles and 400 for men. So you're running 400 meters, that's a lap, mm-hmm. and you have hurdles along the way. Have you ever tried hurdles? Um, maybe like in middle school. Uh huh. But no. <laughs> like, would you Would you rather go what What did you say? A hundred uh-huh. meters hurdles or four hundred? I mean that four hundred hurdles is so hard because it's still a sprint, but it's really long. But there's there's hurdles and they count their steps in between. So for the four hundred, they're counting their steps in between every hurdle. Um, they both look so hard. They're both really hard and events. Hurdles feels like one of those things that, like, I would think, I can do. Not like I can do that, like, in a race. I don't mean that at all. Like, no. Yeah. I mean, like, okay, we're out on the track for fun. And yeah. it's like, I got, I can do this. Like, I can right. do one of these hurdles. Just one. Just one. Yeah. And then I, and then I would, like, it's like do it half fall over on my face and then have, like, pulled something. Yeah, like, hurt my leg. <laughs> yeah. They're, like, up to your hip. Yeah, they're, you know? they're like, tall. It's, it, yeah, and they don't break stride, you know, they it's, it's very impressive part to of watch. your run. Yeah. Um, and then there's the relays, which I think are also awesome and so high pressure. So relays, they literally hold a stick and there's a four by 100 relay. So they each run 100 meters and a four by 400 where they each run a lap. Mm-hmm. And there's an exchange zone and you have to um, pass the baton in that exchange zone. Um, so what happens is the person who's getting the baton usually is running forward and has their hand behind them, not looking. Mm-hmm. And the person who's passing off the baton has to say, go. And then they both start running at the same pace. And then you say, stick or something. And then you <laughs> hand them the baton. And it can go haywire. 
in if you're outside the exchange zone, if you drop the baton, if you go outside your lane, like so much can go wrong. It's really stressful. Yes. Wow. Um, Uh, So those are the track events. mm -hmm. That's not field. That's not any of the Mm -hmm. field events. um, But those are all the running events that generally that happen on a track. Yeah. I used to be, when I was younger, confused about track and field and cross country because Uh I was like, well, isn't cross country the field part of the track and Mm. the field? It's just not. Yeah. It's just very different. It's cross country is in a field, which is why it kind of sounds like it should be like part of field. Right. Cross country is usually like you're running through a field. Yeah. You know? Yep. Um, But field events are the jumps, the throws. Yeah. The jumps and the throws. And yeah, the jump. I guess they're all jumps and throws. Yep. Um, okay, awesome. That's a that's a very good start. Okay, so where do marathons, I guess, and half marathons mm-hmm. and ultra marathons fit in mm-hmm. all of this? Um, they're separate. They're totally separate. Um, so marathon is twenty six point two miles. That's uh-huh. the distance. Um, and a half marathon is just half of that, so a 13.1. Those have become really popular road races, especially the half marathon, because it's pretty attainable. It's yeah. a challenge for people, but it's pretty attainable. Um, so the marathon, do you know where the distance comes from? I do know where the distance okay. comes from. Do you listeners know where the distance comes from? Keisha, do you know? <laughs> so the legend is that uh, in ancient Greece, a man named Marathon... Uh, no. Nope. <laughs> I was like, meh, wrong. <laughs> it says, I'm reading something, it says the name Marathon. Marathon comes from the legend of Phidippides, who was a Greek messenger. The legend states that when he was taking part in the Battle of Marathon, which took place in August or September of 490 BC, he witnessed a Parisian vessel changing its course toward Athens as the battle was near a victorious end for the Greek army. He interpreted this as an attempt by the defeated Parisians to rush the city and claim false victory. I'm snoozing. I'm falling asleep. <laughs> Let me start. Basically, this guy ran to the Greek city of Marathon to tell people something about a battle, but he <laughs> died because he ran so fast and it was so far and it was hot. Can we can we try that again? <laughs> I don't want to read. I started reading. And I didn't want to read this. All. Yes. <laughs> okay. Okay. The name Marathon comes from the legend of Pheidippides. He was a Greek messenger and ran from. Uh, <laughs> it's Athens to Sparta. Okay. I'm gonna start over. <laughs> Sorry. Now I'm sweating. So the name Marathon comes from the legend of Pheidippides, who was a Greek messenger. He ran 26.2 miles, as the legend claims, from Athens to Sparta um, to bring a message. And then he said the message and died. (laughs) And so that is the distance of a marathon. Um, It was the Battle of Marathon in about 490 BC. So... Now we use 26.2 miles as the marathon distance, um, and then the half marathon is just half of that. I love that story. I don't love that story because a person died, apparently, if it's true. But I just think it's so funny because it plays into, like, all the stereotypes of, like, the non-running friends. Yeah. Like, you're going to die. Like, that sounds awful. Like, yeah. it sounds like Why you, you die. Like, yeah. <laughs> and you're like, uh, yeah, yeah, that's where basically. it came from. Um, it's funny. You have a, you actually have a sweatshirt that says, but did you die? Yeah. And it has, like, a, a Greek bust of, like, Phidippides or yeah. whatever on it. <laughs> um, speaking of people passing out from uh-huh. running, 
I read earlier in our, um, you know, very thorough um, studying for this podcast yeah. that um, the reason why cross country is not actually an Olympic sport. So mm-hmm. track and field, all those things are, but mm-hmm. cross country isn't. I think maybe part of it is part of one of those events. But I guess in 1914 or something, when the Paris Olympics, mm-hmm. way back, way back in the 1900s, they had cross country. And it was really hot that year, and I guess a ton of people passed out, like tons. They thought two people died on the course. Apparently some guy came in and was, like, going in really tight circles, um, like, just just completely out of his mind, and he, like, passed out. Um, they were bringing people back on stretchers, and after that, they were like, mm, we're not doing this. Not <laughs> no doing more cross country. I think really what happened is it was 1914, and it was hot out, and they didn't have electrolytes and hydration. Honestly. Yeah. That's interesting that they still had road races. They still had the marathon. Mm-hmm. Um, but they yeah. were like cross country, can't cross do country, it too much. No way. Those, yeah. that, that three miles. We want to push our limits, but not that far. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Anyways, that's where the marathon comes from. Yeah. It comes from the legend of Pheidippides. Yeah. And then ultra marathons, you had mm-hmm. mentioned at the beginning, mm-hmm. are anything further than a marathon. Yep. Um, so 50 milers, a 50K is a popular distance. Mm-hmm. You've done a 50K. I've done a 50K. So that ends up being, what, 31, uh-huh. supposedly. I will tell you, listeners, if you've never run a trail race before, like road racing is so like, you know, people are uptight. Like this, is, these are like the type A yep. personalities. They're like running marathons. They've got their life together. They're probably CEOs and they're like ready to go. <laughs> trail running these people are hippies in the uh-huh. woods, and they, they're they just, like, here for the adventure. Yeah. They're just excited to be out in nature, excited to eat more food because they ran really far and to be with their friends. So they don't feel quite as strongly about making sure that the distance is exactly accurate. Mm-hmm. So the 150K that I did, it was like, okay, 31 miles on my 31st birthday. Amazing. Great. Wow. Yeah, no, this was 33 plus, and it was my first one. So I'm there with my friend, and we're like, realizing looking at our like watches that this is going to be like they're based on the person at the aid station saying we had like seven miles to go we're like this isn't uh-huh. it's gonna be this long. is not yeah the same thing and yeah. now now i know better trail races they're just like Meh. yeah distance <laughs> distance what even is that yeah also gps like see you, that's that's what they're like oh yeah the gps doesn't work as well as in the woods that's their <laughs> excuse that is that their excuse I was about to say. gps but for real, doesn't work as well in the woods. So, like, you could run with someone on a trail, and you're going to get a different distance on GPS as they're going to get, even though you were together and you ran the same exact steps. Um, yeah. So, but the, the most, bringing it back to the actual point, the most popular distances you're going to find for ultra marathon, a 50K, that's the most, like, entry level. So about 31 miles, mm-hmm. 31 to 33, 50 miles. And then um, 100 miles is kind of like. Mm-hmm. And there are some longer races. Yeah, um, 200 mile races. But those are going to yeah. be the most popular ones. Yeah. The Terra Girls podcast is supported by Terra Running Company, Cleveland's specialty running store. Whatever you need to support your active lifestyle, we've got it. Open seven days a week in downtown Cleveland or 24-7 at terrorunning.com. So... This is just a random question, and I, don't, I mean, we're not experts, so we don't really know. I tried to look up some answers, but why is it the track and cross country are like high school and college sports, but marathoning isn't? But marathoning is like the Olympic, you know, st- almost feels like a standard. I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, I definitely think the uh, developmental 
ability of the ages of middle yeah. school and high school cross country and track are have to do with it. Um, you don't see many kids under 18 running very long distances. It's not super good for you. Yep. The cross country distance um, for an event in middle school is generally like 1.2 to 1.5 miles, yep. um, sometimes up to two miles. And then the cross country distance in high school is going to be a 5K. In yep. college, sometimes it's 5 or 8K, but it kind of goes up as you get older. So yep. the developmental ability of of our bodies as we age generally is is what is a challenge is different based on the age. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Like, can you imagine, like, all right, we had a run camp this summer with elementary age kids, but, um, you know, some of them were almost middle schoolers. And imagine being like, all right, kids. Yeah, let's go run gonna, a half marathon. And there's actually been some controversy of even some families that have run uh, marathons. Like, I don't even remember all of the details, so I'm not going to go really into it. But I know that there was a family that was doing a lot of marathons, mm-hmm. and they had little kids. Yeah. And there's um, some, yeah, uh, there's some rules around, you know, and the rules are differ, differ around kids being able to run in like sanctioned yeah. races. I think yep. it was the Cincinnati Flying Pig Marathon where there was a family who kept bringing their young kid to run it and said they're trained, you know, we're the parents. But the race directors were not really keen on having a young kid. Yeah. It was actually breaking a rule. So, yep. um, yeah, developmentally, just the, the length that we should go is different based on age. Yep. It would also be logistical, logistically challenging, yeah. <laughs> even if that wasn't a thing. Um, okay, so what then are some of the, you know, some of the big of events? I guess we're talking about running as a sport. People know, like, okay, football is a sport. You've got mm-hmm. the Super Bowl. Baseball is a sport. You've got the World Series. You know, soccer or football, as it's known in the rest of the world, you've got um, – the World Cup. Mm-hmm. What about running? Like, mm-hmm. besides the Olympics, you know, the Olympics are just going to be the standard for so many sports. Like, mm-hmm. are there large events? Yeah. So there are world championships in cross country and in track and field um, every year, I think, um, at least almost every year. Yeah, I think so. Um, so world championships are kind of, you know, depending on who you ask, like a step below the prestige in marathon in um, meddling as far mm-hmm. as compared to the Olympics, but still amazing. Yeah. Um, there are qualifying races to make the U.S. team. So there are, um, you know, U.S. races where you have to, depending on the event, score in the top, you know, land in the top three, and then you get to make the U.S. team for the world championships. Um, but then that's tracking cross country. As far as marathoning, you know, there are the Boston Marathon is a really prestigious yep. one that you have to qualify for. Then there are also marathon majors. So a lot of people make a like lifelong goal to do all the marathon majors, which are the big ones. Um, Tokyo, Berlin, London, New York, Boston. Mm-hmm. I think that's all of them. Um, so those are the big ones that a lot of people try to do or qualify for. And then winners of those are have a lot of prize money yeah. on the line. So those pro athletes we were talking about at the beginning, like often will plan their whole seasons around doing and maybe placing at one of these marathon majors so they could win the prize money. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know when you're listening to this, listeners, but yeah, World Athletic Championships or Worlds just mm-hmm. took place um, 
know, two weeks ago mm-hmm. um, in Budapest, Budapest, Hungary. Um, and I think it takes place in a different city every year, mm-hmm. um, but it was in Hungary this year. Um, how did our USA athletes do? They did great in the shorter distances. Um, so Shakari Richardson is a really popular name. If you follow track and field, she's had some ups and downs, and she did awesome. She medaled in the 100. So that's just the straightaway of the track. The Mm -hmm. 200, which is half a lap of the track, and the 4x100 women's team got gold. In addition to the men's 4x100 team got gold also. Um, And Noah Lyles got gold in the 100 and the 200. Mm -hmm. Um, So he is looking to break Usain Bolt's world records in the 100 and the 200 also. So the U.S. team did great. Super fun to watch. If you have um, Peacock, you can go back and watch all the days of world championships um so that's really fun yeah it is really fun also depending on who you follow on instagram a lot Mm -hmm. of really fun even just funny running influencers if you will um were there and just you know giving you your like humorous coverage yeah um so that's also a, a fun way to follow along but um yeah it's honestly it's very fun to watch. It's yeah. just, especially, in, you know, those shorter distances and even the, the longer ones, it's like different types of suspense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's different exciting. athletic abilities. It's crazy. Yeah. And it really is like the epitome of sports and athleticism is like people running against each other as fast as they can. Yep. Absolutely. And so it's really cool to watch. Absolutely. Okay. Well then what about ultra marathons? Because that's also, it's like. It's still a professional sport. You still have athletes that are, that's, you know, they're sponsored to do this. They're paid money to do this by mm-hmm. their brands that are sponsoring them. But it's almost like a different, it's like a different world. Yeah. But it's still the world of running. Yeah. Um, so ultra marathoning, which we talked about, is anything longer than a marathon, has grown by 345% over the last 10 years. Did you wow. know that? Wow. I, when I, what, two years ago when I was getting my Roadrunners mm-hmm. of America's, like, coaching certification, that was one of the topics as they mm-hmm. were talking about how ultra running has grown exponentially. Because yeah. if you're a running coach, that's also, you know, something important to know. <laughs> yeah. Um it's amazing. Ultra running has totally blown up. Um, so I think that's really interesting. But there are, I would say, less ultra runs. Mm-hmm. Um, they're harder to find just because there are. it's a sub-segment of distance runners. Um, but if you haven't heard the name Courtney DeWalter this summer, go look her up because oh she's goodness. amazing. Just incredible. Yeah, she's been super fun to watch. Courtney DeWalter uh, is an American woman who won... The Hard Rock 100, uh-huh. UTMB, and Western States all in the same year. Yeah, those are three big names to know in, like, important ultra races. Mm-hmm. Um, Hard Rock 100, UTMB, and um, Western States, which mm-hmm. is what you just said. But she – it's all all those races happen in, one, like, in the summer, right? Mm-hmm. And she placed first for the women in every single mm-hmm. – every. I mean, these are, like, 100-mile races uh-huh. with – elevation gain that you can't even wrap your mind around. Yeah, it's mountain climbing. It is. And if if you don't know, they start in the morning and they go until they're done. So they go usually, you know, it's going to be overnight. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's amazing. I mean, it's not just being a good runner. It's like knowing how to feel properly, being able to stay up, the mental fortitude you have to have. and, yeah, the elevation gains are insane. Yeah, I mean, absolutely crazy. Um, so that's like a whole – it's still the world of running. Mm-hmm. It's just like completely different from the world of track and field. I mean, again, just 
both like incredible athletes, just totally a different thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's almost harder to watch. You know, you you Mm -hmm. put on Peacock and you get your track and field race and you can watch the whole thing in maybe a couple minutes or a couple seconds, depending Mm -hmm. on on how long the race is. But these ultra runs go for, like you said, over 24 Mm -hmm. hours, depending on the race. Or, I mean, if they're really fast, it's not. But you can still... um, stream them I believe yeah so UTMB was the first one that had a live stream the whole time yeah so they had camera people following the runners the whole time and there were a ton of people that tuned in so it's exciting it's It's very exciting but it's crazy I mean the stuff they do is amazing it is yeah their their athleticism is is incredible and just their grit yes like it's like a whole different level yeah (laughs) absolutely yeah you're not suffering for 10 seconds you're suffering for days. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we met a, a couple ultra runners at um, this, like, uh, run camp thing with one of our brands that um, we carry at Terra La Sportiva earlier in the year. And um, I've, I think his name is Justin. He works over at mm-hmm. um, Cumberland Transit, Transit uh-huh. in Nashville. Go uh-huh. visit them if you haven't stopped in their store. It's very cool. Um, but he's a La Sportiva-sponsored athlete and an ultra runner. Mm-hmm. And um, he was telling us about, you know, how you, like, hallucinate. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we interviewed Cindy, Cindy mm-hmm. she was telling us about how she hallucinates. Um, mm-hmm. They j- it, It's crazy. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing what your body will do to keep you doing what you want, you know. And yeah. sometimes it's... You know, yeah, storing energy and sometimes it's like letting your brain rest in weird ways. But yeah, maybe you see like things in the trees. Yep, yep. (laughs) Okay, I also think it's really interesting and I'm just curious your thoughts on this. Ultra running almost feels more accessible than track Mm -hmm. and field. I'm saying, and that might be like, what are you talking about? Mm -hmm. (laughs) But. I feel like I know people that ultra run, and we've uh-huh. we've talked to our friends here. We've got you know Jeff Salyer, go listen to his mm-hmm. episode, and and Dusty Elliott, um, mm-hmm. and Cindy Akins, Akins mm-hmm. um, all ultra runners, and you know they're not paid to run, mm-hmm. um, but they do crazy things like yeah. run across the state of Tennessee. Um, and then we've met a couple ultra runners, and uh, that are professional ultra runners, um, but you can't just be like, you know what, I'm going to be professional track runner Mm -hmm. like yeah it's a um accessible is interesting because there's just not like the infrastructure to support it you know there aren't like leagues right right you can join like an adult pickleball league right but it's very hard to find an adult track there are yeah but adult track teams and that's part of the like how do we get you know track and field to be more popular as a sport for all these people that run there's just not infrastructure in the u.s around that um and so, yeah, if you were like, I really, I really want to be a super good 800 runner, like as a 30 year old, what are you going to, for who? Like, for what? <laughs> why? why? <laughs> There's not even an 800 meter race that I could sign up for. So, yeah, just like the infrastructure surrounding different distances um, really lends itself to the popularity. Then, if you can't compete in it and you don't see it, there's no reason to train for it. So that's why it's you a, see a lot of older people getting into just distance races because you yeah. can find them anywhere. Yeah, that's a really good point. And that was something I had written down here for us to kind of maybe touch on. Um, and this is exactly what we're talking about. I think it's interesting that running is one of the most popular sports in the world in the sense of participation, right? Like we run, like our friend groups run, we have a running store, like it's it's a whole industry 
and it, there's marathons all over the world. Like people run, yet this this popularity of running as a sport, like watching it, mm-hmm. doesn't seem to match the level of participation and excitement of like actually doing it. Mm-hmm. Probably didn't say that well, but you mm-hmm. know what? I, yeah, what I mean, yeah. Like, why do you think that is? Um, I think the what we talked about with participation, just the infrastructure around it, like there aren't a lot of teams to cheer for, you know, even in we get into like Major League Soccer in the U.S., it's starting to gain popularity because people can identify with a team Mm -hmm. that is in their area or they have played it before. Um, They can see themselves in it, but there's no way to kind of. Unless you pick an individual athlete mm-hmm. um, and you follow them and you're a fan of them or you are really loyal to a brand and you follow their athletes, um, there's nothing really to identify with in, in professional running. Mm-hmm. Um, but that being said, when I first got into caring about professional running in high school, um, I think I probably told this story when we talked about Dina Castor, but I, in high school, mailed Dina Castor a $7 check. And she sent me back a poster signed with her name and Brittany, believe and achieve. Um, Dina Castor, and I hung it on my wall for years. And I told her that story when we saw Dina Castor at, at the running event. But um, there, that was the only way to connect with professional athletes. And now with social media, the good and the bad, you know, of course, there's problems with it. But you're able to personally feel like you can connect with professional yeah. athletes and get to know them better like you couldn't in the past. You maybe yeah. you read a magazine article, but you couldn't follow their Instagram story like you can now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think accessibility to the athletes and accessibility to the teams and um, just more media coverage is the only way that it's going to gain in popularity because you're right, so many people run, but how many people no professional runners. Yeah, or like we're super excited to watch, you know, the world, wor- champs, world yeah. championships that just happened a couple weeks ago. And mm-hmm. and it's I also think it's like almost different ways that people get into the sport because like I said, you know, I run all the time. Um, love it. It's a large part of my life at this point. But I'm unfamiliar with mm-hmm. like a lot of these events that are what it, these events are like the track events, yeah, you know, the, the track and field events, the distances, like all mm-hmm. of that. Like I just don't even know like a lot of the lingo around it. Yeah. But I'll happily watch a marathon or an ultra marathon. Right. I, like you said, because I can identify yep. with that. But yeah. If you're looking to learn more about professional running, there's two podcasts that I recommend that I really like. Um, Sidious Mag is a media company, but they also have a podcast all about running. Um, and it's a great show they do media coverage of world champs every year and the olympics and lots of the professional track and field events um and the other one is Allie on the run and she does interviews um and just a really great interviewer and super interesting um topics that they talk about but Allie on the run is another really good podcast that if you're interested in getting more into professional running those are great resources. Absolutely. And like you said, um, for better or for worse, social media, mm-hmm. um, you can end Strava. You know, for those of you that use Strava, you can actually follow a lot of these athletes, mm-hmm. um, which is really fun. Um, I know I follow um, Kara D'Amata. Kara D'Amata. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that one that yeah. I follow really <laughs> closely. No, she's fun because she always posts a pun for the, the title of her Strava run. Uh-huh. Um, but she just competed at Worlds in the marathon. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of really cool... You can follow these ultra runners on there. Jim um, Walmsley is, mm-hmm. the, is who just who won UTMB. Um, he's on Strava. 
um, yeah, you can get inspired by these people as well, just kind of seeing what they're doing. The Terror Girls podcast is brought to you by Cleveland Coffee and Market, your place for treats and gifts downtown. Located on 1st Street, we're open 7.30 a.m. to 6 p.m. every day of the week. Cleveland Coffee and Market, your place for coffee downtown. Okay, we should wrap this up. We've been talking for a lot. So you started with giving me a um, shoe-fitting scenario. I am continuing my segment (laughs) of Brittany Reacts. Are you ready to react to something? Okay. I'm ready. I'm ready to give it to you. So there is a a quote unquote marathon. I think it's actually only about 22 miles in Wales where they pit horses against people. And a guy won this time. Like someone's on the horse. Like people are riding these horses. Uh-huh. You have to complete this course. It's like humans versus horse. Horses. Uh-huh. React. That's cool. Yeah? Would you do it? Um, no. <laughs> because I like running at my own pace. And I feel like if there was a horse next to me the whole time, I'd be, like, pushing the pace the whole time. Yeah. The horse probably doesn't let up. I mean, no, horses there's someone go. on that horse. They're, like, wanting to win. That's awesome. This guy beat the horse. I guess a, a human has won, I think, only four times. Wow. So... How cool. When we talk about the athleticism of people, let's we could do a podcast about the athleticism of animals. It's true. That's amazing. Um, okay, this is not part of the segment, but can I do a Tiffany reaction? Yeah, sure. So speaking of the athleticism of animals, the fastest man in the world right now, Usain Bolt, he has um, some world records in sprint distances. He was a sprinter for Jamaica. Um, he ran the 100 meter in about 28 miles an hour. So if we transfer his sprinting time into miles an hour it's about 28 miles an hour despite that impressive speed cheetahs can reach 70 miles an hour in three seconds that's faster than most cars can accelerate how isn't that amazing how so cool i just don't even know how i know so he goes 28 miles an hour and which also is I know. Insane. Also, I can't even bite that fast. Should we talk about the controversy? Is is Usain, Usain Bolt faster than Iliad Kipchoge? Well, it's that's apples and oranges. Is I it? Mean, yeah, yeah. It's sprinting we versus put, marathoning. We could put them next to each other and say, "Go!" Right. And for the first hundred meters, Usain <laughs> Bolt would win, and then at twenty six point two miles, Kipchoge would win. But it's apples and oranges. You can't I compare. Mean, like, Guess. Guess. <laughs> then put a cheetah next to both of them. And, and you know the what? wins. The humans are second and third. Wow. Yep. Craziness. Amazing. Animals on our next podcast. <laughs> That's right. I'm pretty sure house cats can run up to 30 miles an hour. Wow. Um, yeah. My cats think that they would be able to beat. <laughs> Your cats think they're cheetahs. <laughs> they, they do. That's, that's cat energy for you. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess we should we should wrap this up. Yeah. Thank you, everyone, for hanging in there with us. We hope you learned some things about professional running and um, the sport of running and how it's more than just your jog around the block. But if you are jogging around the block, you are part of something very big and yeah. historic and awesome. So we're happy to invite you into the world of running. I'm Brittany. And I'm Tiffany. And we're the Terror Girls. Inspiring people one runner at a time. The Terror Girls Podcast is brought to you by Terror Running Company, Cleveland's specialty running store. 
Named one of the best running stores in the country, Terry Running Company offers top-notch customer service and all the best running and walking brands. Whatever you need to support your active lifestyle, we've got it. Carrying brands like Hoka, Brooks, On, and New Balance, we also have the best fit specialists to help you find the best shoe for you. Open seven days a week in downtown Cleveland or 24-7 at terrorunning.com.